0: Welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zonner. I believe in the power of sharing our experiences and knowledge with others, and when we do, we are creating ripples of impact around us. Each week, get ready for intimate personal shares, honest, relatable conversations, aha moments, and so much more. This space was designed to create empowerment, inspiration, community, and provide guidance to elevate those around us. I am so excited to have you here. Get ready and let's start creating ripples. Hello, welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner, and today's guest is Gray Stone. I had the opportunity of finding their account through actually one of our listeners, Jess. She's incredible. And she forwarded me a post about Gray sharing their experience around how they're involved in the alcohol community and breweries and drinking and recognizing that, you know, their experience was within the community of as you were getting older, correct me if I'm wrong, people still peer pressuring you to try to drink. And in your post, you shared how we don't really realize how impactful drinking can be on our mental health and how those two things can really correlate and impact us. And I loved in your post that you shared, you know, this is an important conversation to have because one, like, being peer pressured at any point, let alone as you're getting into like your late 20s, early 30s, we didn't talk about age. So I'm not even sure how old you are, but I'm 32 and I still have that experience and I haven't drank in eight and a half years. And it's just like wild that we don't give people the space to be wherever they're at rather than trying to be like, well, have a drink with me or take a shot or whatever it is. And so having conversations like this, I think is so important. What I loved in your post was like, you were sharing how, you know, your relationship with alcohol was evolving. And I loved the conversation around, it's not this like all or nothing aspect. And I think that's super relatable for a lot of people. So I'd love to hear more kind of about what that evolution has looked like for you um, with that journey.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, But yeah, I feel like my relationship with alcohol is always evolving. And I think at some point, like, I don't know. I may drink even less than I do now, which isn't very much. Um, I, for myself, I mostly drink because, like, as someone who is a former professional beer brewer, um, I appreciate the craft of the product, and it's something like as I'm drinking it, I like to dissect it and the flavors. And really, like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna order a beverage or even like food, it's I think of it as an experience, not just like. Um, you know, ordering whatever, like shitty beer, um, just to drink it. Um, so it's really important for me to to really appreciate and enjoy what, what I'm drinking, what I'm experiencing. So um, I think that's something important just to to think about in general, because I think a lot of people are focused on the like getting fucked up aspect of it, where I don't know, it's like, I just don't understand, I guess like I'm not myself when I get to that point and I don't like who I am. Um, Like the first thing that alcohol impacts is like your judgment and you know, it's fun to have a drink here and there, but I, I don't want to get to that point. So if I'm going to be drinking something, like I like to be really mindful of what I'm drinking because I'm not going to be drinking a lot of it.
0: Well, and I love what you're talking about because I think that is something that we're seeing now with more and more NA options available to people is it's recognizing like you can enjoy something for the taste rather than trying to have this like effect of feeling buzzed or fucked up or whatever it is. And it's making people kind of question, okay, why am I choosing to consume this? Is it because I'm trying to cope with my day? Am I trying to escape? Or am I actually, like you said, experiencing what I'm tasting, enjoying what this craft has to offer me. And I think more and more people are starting to see that, but it's hard when we really see so much advertising around like the benefits to alcohol, less about like the taste of the alcohol and what that has to offer you. And so I'm curious, kind of your thoughts around being in that scene and navigating, you know, the fact that we are really told alcohol can help us cope with our stress have uh, something to escape to when we're having a bad day. And I know I talked about this at the beginning, but like in your post, you shared how it can be really detrimental to mental health. And I think we don't talk about that enough because we really do as a society, see it as something that can be helpful, but that's simply actually like, it reverts us back. It's like how people are like, well, I drink to have a better night's sleep. It's actually scientifically proven when you have any sort of, alcohol in your system. You're not going to get into that deep REM sleep. And so having these discussions is really important to just educate people around alcohol, its impacts, and just like being more aware of like, what's the why behind it? Why are you choosing to have it? Are you allowing yourself to actually experience it? Or is it for something more?
1: Yeah, I think that people there's there's a, a ton of reasons that people choose a drink. And I think some of them can be like, yes, like enjoying the craft of the product. I think that some people drink to cope. Um, For some people it's a social thing. It can be multiple things for people. Um, But yeah, I think, and I think over my journey with drinking, it's changed a lot. So when I was younger, I mean, I think the first time that I had alcohol, I was like 13 turning 14. I was essentially like 14 at a house party and it was like some really shitty like skunked beer. but I had like a fake ID at 16 and like most of my friends were like in their early twenties. So I was going to bars at like 16 years old. And at that point in my life, like I didn't know a lot about like the effects of alcohol and, you know, pacing myself or my limits or anything like that. So over the course of like the next few years, I was like, blacking out most of the time which is really dangerous not just like from a physical health perspective but also like the people you surround yourself with like as a teenager I think you're also like getting to know you know figuring out like social things and and friends and things like that so it's like I got myself into some really uncomfortable situations and it could have been much worse but I was definitely coping with things, uh, within the last couple of years, uh, I was diagnosed with like ADHD and autism. And I've always known I've had like anxiety and depression and things like that. And, and was also diagnosed with CPTSD and OCD, just, you know, just an alphabet. Um, but especially with the anxiety portion of it, um, and like the autism part of it too, just like trying to sort of like be social and like find a way to like make socializing easier it's like I would drink and I feel like it actually made socializing harder for me because it made me so unlike myself like I mentioned earlier and I would just do sort of like reckless things or say things that were just very off-brand for me and and then you end up surrounding yourself with people that like you're not I don't know that aren't your people and don't actually care about you it's more about like the drinking and that's what happened when like, I drank, I drank really heavily. I would say from like 16 to 21, like when I turned 21 is when I started to slow down, ironically. Um, But I realized I lost a lot of friends and, and and friends and like air quotes, because those were just people that I got drunk with. Those weren't people that like, I could call up and be like, Hey, I need help with this thing. Or I'm feeling this way. Like, you know, are you around? And, Um, and I feel like once I stepped away from like the bar scene, I was able to have like deeper and more meaningful connections with people, especially like without as much alcohol around. Um, but I think, you know, going back to you talking about how alcohol is advertised to us and how, you know, it's such a good time or it has all these benefits for you. Um, I feel like different parts of the alcohol world, um, advertise or promote drinking in different ways so i think that i would say places like craft breweries really do focus more so on the craft of the product and um like some will share education and um it's just about like the style and there's like like craft breweries are very like community driven um and have like events and then i feel like bars are you know, they really just want your money. So they want you to get the shots and they want you to get fucked up and um, keep coming back like every night. And so I think there's a difference um, when it comes to the way alcohol is promoted to us, like just based off of, you know, what establishment or what brand is
0: is promoting to us. Do you feel like within the craft community, like brewery communities that more non-alcoholic options are being embraced or even if it's not like an NA beer, but some sort of offering to bring in more people to their community?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, and I think it's for a number of reasons. I think one of the major reasons is because the options have gotten so much better. I've been trying non-alcoholic options for years because as someone who used to brew beer, like I of the reason i love beer is just like the you know the, the craft of the product the creation of it what goes into it and i think it's very interesting when you can take something and you know emulate like the original product and and then not have that alcohol in there i think that's that's cool and interesting so i i always love to try that stuff and i've gotten so many so many terrible non alcoholic beers over the years but recently I've been super excited and like, you know, chatting about it with friends and sharing, sharing recommendations with friends. Um, there's been so many brands that have come out recently. And I'm also really curious to try like non-alcoholic spirits and non-alcoholic wine, because I haven't tried either of those. It's just been beer mostly, um, or like some companies are doing like hot water and stuff like that. But I think the other reason is that I think that there was like a really big boom with like craft beer in it started with like a little bit I'm I'm also I'm turning 32 this year so we're the same age but so I feel like the generation like prior to us kind of like there was that simmer with craft beer and then there was like this big explosion and I think that this like newer generation this younger generation um I don't know I don't think there is internet, there is interested, they're not there yet in like their drinking journey, I suppose. But I feel like the people who experience that craft beer sort of like boom, um, we're all getting to the point where we're like not into like partying and drinking as heavily anymore. And I do find that I have so many friends or so many people that I meet around my age and like a little bit older and even slightly younger who are sober or um, just prefer not to drink or don't like drinking. And so I think because we're like sort of in that age, where we're looking for other options. I think that's another reason is like, there's a bigger market for it.
0: And I think too, just like that community piece, right? We I think about it all the time. Like I'd way rather go sit at a brewery with my friends, being able to like hear them speak versus at a bar trying to like yell over loud music, getting shoved around. It's the atmosphere too within breweries. And, like, my experience has been when I first got sober, there was, like, barely any places, even restaurants that had NA options or mocktails listed. And now my experience is very, like, totally flipped 180. If I go somewhere and there is, like, not a mocktail list or, like, an NA list, it's very rare. Um, And I feel like I've noticed that even within breweries having more options available to people outside of a water or a pop or something like that and I think it does tie into that community aspect that you're talking about and also recognizing like I've noticed at least in our area I'm in Minnesota a lot more spaces having like their own twist on something whether it is a local um, brewery that has an NA option or it's another like local space that is doing like a THC drink or something like that. Like people are supporting other businesses to have offerings to meet people with where they're at and what they're desiring so that they can still bring people together. And I think that's been a really cool thing for me to be able to see is this communal aspect of just like really trying to give people experiences where they can truly connect on a deeper level versus having something necessarily to like drive the connection. Instead, people are just connecting being able to show up as themselves which has been really cool to see
1: it's like why why wouldn't you have an option for people on your list like if you already have the things to make mixed drinks with like then you can make mocktails and you know maybe if you're a brewery why not bring on like one non-alcoholic beer or um a brewery that I worked for they had like canned coffee and we had um think we had like different kombuchas or you know just like a variety for people not just like here's a coke or a sprite but it's like why wouldn't you have that because it's like really easy to add on and then it opens you up to like such a bigger demographic of people um and even like with breweries and stuff it's like a lot are kid friendly it's like then people can you know then families can go there and hang out um because a lot of breweries like I don't know they have games or they have you know much more than just like a place to to drink so you just open yourself up as a brand and like a space to to st- such a wider demographic so I don't understand why would wouldn't people do and it's just like really simple
0: well and like what you're talking about with the way that there is this shift of so many more like na options available like athletic brewing um what is the one that I why partake brewing um drink parch, but they're not beer, but like, there's just like so many different options. There's Groovy that does NA Prosecco and there's all these different options that really are available for people to have. And I think sometimes like we have a lot of breweries around here that people love to go to and, you know, they have their alcoholic options, but even like, I think about my friend, he has like this favorite drink, that he gets at this brewery called prize. And he's like, I would love it if they had this like as an NA option too, because I can have like the alcoholic one. And if I want to have another, but make it NA, like I'm still getting to enjoy that experience and that beverage that I really like versus if I have one, two, three or whatever, probably not going to allow myself to like drive home at the end of the day. And so like by opening up the horizons. And I don't even know what goes into shifting from an alcoholic brew to an NA brew, but having something like that available to your consumers allows them to potentially consume more because they're not just always having an alcoholic beverage either. But there was something that you mentioned that I think is important to talk about around how, when you made that shift into, you know, stepping kind of out of like that party scene or drinking and noticing that, Your friendships shifted. What was that like? Making that, um, what was that experience kind of like? Like, how did that evolve? Did it feel really natural? Like, oh, these actually like aren't my people, or was it like a challenging transition? Because I think that's something that a lot of people have fear around. At least from the conversations I've had with people that are considering drinking less, or you know, totally going sober or going alcohol free and this fear around losing the people around them. But what you said is like, so important to think about, like, is the people that you're surrounding yourself with, are they actually your people or are they like your drinking buddies? And so what was that experience and shift like for you?
1: I can definitely recognize that's a, it's a really difficult thing for people to do. And it is really scary um, because you feel like you are, losing support when actually like I feel like a lot of those people weren't truly like supportive in the first place in the way that people need it and that's healthy um but I think I was really fortunate in that case because I was getting into a relationship like meeting someone at the time that um I was dropping those bar friends because I feel like being able to connect with like that new partner and spend time with her was, um, just made it easier. Cause I like had someone there. Um, and she also didn't live near any bars. Like she lived like deep in the suburbs and like, she lived like an hour from me. And, um, so if I want, like, if I wanted to have a drink with my friends, like I couldn't like have a drink and then go hang out with her. So, um, yeah, I ended up, that was like really supportive, I feel like, in my journey of just like drinking less. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that I think it seems really scary. And I think there's a period of time where like you'll feel kind of like sad or like, you know, fomo like you're missing out. But I think ultimately, like you'll get to a place where you feel so much happier and you can look back at it and kind of compare the experiences and realize like that it you're truly like in a better place with better people. um. And just having that like connection and support that's like really deep and meaningful just feels like really fulfilling. And like, it's just like, you know, this love from your friends.
0: That And I think that that's so important to think about is you will get to a point where you're able to look back and see the two different lived experiences and really be able to understand, even though like that might've been really challenging for those people to step out of someone's life at some point you're going to be able to get to a point and see like the why and recognize like, oh, my relationships are so much deeper. They look different. And you can honor both periods. Like I was definitely a massive partier and I had a ton of fun. And that was like my experience. I also did a lot of stupid shit when I drank. And when I decided to quit drinking, it was really terrifying because I thought I was going to like, like you said, like people fear losing the people around them. But it really showed me like who actually... I wanted to be around versus who was I just like having fun with because we were like fucked up and not actually being ourselves and not having the hard, challenging conversations that I actually really enjoy to get to know someone and to feel like I can fully connect with people. I have those conversations usually when there's no alcohol involved on either side. Um, For you, you know, besides making that shift into drinking less and you know, recognizing now being able to look back and see and compare more joy in your life. What did you notice for yourself within your mental health as you started to, you know, lessen your drinking?
1: I think it was like having like a clear mind, um, for sure. And I, because I wasn't using alcohol to like suppress everything. Um, and so just like kind of starting that journey of finding um, support for myself to address those things that I had been suppressing. And I felt like, I felt like I could be my true self. Like some of it was like, I knew I was queer and like, I would get, I would go out with my boyfriend to the bars and I would get drunk and I would tell people I was gay. And, like, and now I get to like, I don't know, just be so much happier, just like being my authentic self and like also just having a clearer mind to like process things and um yeah just really get to know myself without like that mask of alcohol
0: which what a wonderful thing to be able to feel like okay I'm living my authentic life and I think sometimes we don't And maybe you did feel like you weren't being authentic to yourself for a while, but I think sometimes we don't even realize we're being inauthentic until we start to try different things on in our lives or, you know, do the thing that we've been thinking about doing. And then we're like, oh shit, like I was totally like living like a fake life. Like, and it can be something such as like a career, like we're doing a job because we think that's what we want to be doing because we have so many outer voices and then also we're like, wait, is this what I want to be doing? Or is this what like the world's telling me that I want to be doing? And so when you started to feel more connected with your authentic self, what did that feel like for you?
1: I feel like it felt empowering because I know who I am, knew who I was becoming um, and how much of me was to explore and getting to know myself more deeply um, on that level, I felt like it was really exciting. Um, because I feel like alcohol just like took up so much of my life and so much of my time. And I feel like when I stopped partying as much and drinking that I had so much more of that time to like get to know myself and like get into hobbies and, and, you know, what I was interested in doing. And, and part of that, like sort of phase in my early 20s, where I was shifting from partying to not partying really as much. Um, It was like a whole kind of like, transformation for me. I just remember like calling up my dad one day. And um, I'd been living by myself or living on my own since I was like 17 at that point. And I was like 21. And I called up my dad. And I was like, Dad, like, I'm so depressed. I'm like, have such bad anxiety. Like I'm just kind of in this cycle of just partying and drinking and like rolling out of bed and going to work and then going to the bar and then like eating trash food, getting horrible sleep. Like that was my life just on the daily. Like I drank six nights a week and blacked out most of them. And then I called my dad and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like in such a low um like can you can you help me like i want to i had dropped out of school when i was a teenager and never got my GED so i was like dad i want to like get my GED i think i might want to go to school too and uh, i didn't have a license or a car i was like i want to do that i want to like i just wanted to do so many good things for myself and get myself out of this hole and out of that cycle and um, yeah i moved in with my dad and I did accomplish like a lot of those things, but like I said, at the same time I had met a partner, and so um, as lesbians do, we quickly <laughs> cohabitated. So I went from my dad's to her place, um, also because her place was like an hour from my dad's, um, so it's just easier. But yeah, I mean, it was just like wanting to do so much better for myself and and have a better life than this cycle that I was in.
0: When you reached out to him, because I mean, we talk a lot about this on the podcast, but depression and mental health and anxiety, and sometimes we can just like be in this like cycle, like you said, and you recognize like, I need help. And you reached out to him. How like, did you get to that point? Because I think sometimes it, it can feel like we're bottling all this up. And it's hard to know like one, who to reach out to, how to reach out to somebody. And it's important to have these conversations because I think it helps people feel empowered and knowing like the importance of reaching out to the people that you feel like you can. And so I would love to know more about that and what that looked like for you.
1: Um, I, so I've gone to therapy like my entire life um, and I was very aware that like depression, anxiety were things that I Struggled with, um, and so I was already—I was just already aware that that was like a thing, and I just knew what I was doing like wasn't making me happy, um, and I knew that drinking was a part—it was a big part of like that cycle and sort of preventing me from like reaching that happiness or reaching you know the places that I wanted to go because it—it it took up so much of my life and because um, alcohol is a depressant so essentially like any work that i was doing on my mental health and on my depression like i felt like i was like trying to take a step forward and then just taking two steps back like with alcohol and then you know again like alcohol affects your sleep and like you know bad sleep affects your mental health it's just kind of like a domino effect with like a lot of those things and with my dad we didn't have a super close relationship when i was younger just because um my mother has she's got some things going on like her own mental health issues that are untreated and she sort of like and they got divorced when i was really young and manipulated me into thinking my dad was like a bad person um when that was very much untrue but we sort of um reconnected as i got older and then i think the more that i shared with him and was open and honest with him about things um like the partying and drinking and took responsibility for things that I did or said um like I threw a massive party at his house um when I was a teenager and it was like something that I carried so much guilt and shame over because like I can't believe I hurt someone that I love in that way and it was just so irresponsible and reckless and like terrible of me like I carried that around for years I don't think I like talked to my dad about that until like 10 years later, Um, but, and I don't even think he was still thinking of it. It was just me. Um, But I got a lot closer to my dad when I came out too. And like, yeah, when I stopped drinking and I was able to have like a a deeper relationship with my dad and, and realizing that, you know, he was someone who would support me in any way that I needed and that I could reach out to him for that stuff. So I'm very, very grateful to have him in my life.
0: Well, and what a cool... And really amazing experience to be able to have and like bring a relationship back together. I think sometimes it can feel like whether it's a friendship or a sibling or a parent that we can get too far gone, but like being able to hear your story of like, you can rebuild and you can reconcile and the willingness to like reach out and go to someone when you were really seeking that support and help that's a really powerful thing to be able to like look back and see like one the growth the evolution the transformation that you had and then also like letting go of that shame and guilt that you were holding on to because I think a lot of us hold on to things and being able to release them is really powerful but for you to even be like I was holding on to this thing that I felt so much shame and guilt around. And we had that conversation and it was, it's kind of sounded like he wasn't even thinking about that anymore, you know? And being able to release that so that you could like turn over this new chapter and rebuild a relationship with somebody um, that maybe it was important for you to rebuild with. And so I feel like that is gives a lot of hope to anybody listening that maybe is seeking support or there is someone in their life that they, want to reconcile something with or rebuild a relationship with and within your your, you know transformation and this shift for you did you feel any feelings of uncertainty or fear or worry Um, as you mentioned you know feelings of anxiety like like as you started to step into your truth and really build this authentic life for yourself
1: I think it was scary, feeling like I was behind. If that makes sense, like I feel like um, I was watching a lot of people, like in their careers, and who like weren't in that party scene, and become really established. And I think, you know, especially as someone who like had dropped out of high school and like didn't even have my GED or a license or anything, um, I had a pretty tough uh, like childhood and teenage years, um, and so like. That prevented me from from getting a lot of those things um and i took care of myself and and did the best i could but you know coming out of that party scene and um like feeling like i was like very much at square one i think was like the scariest thing for me but i mean going back to just like finding support i think that was really important for me like my dad and yeah when we had that conversation about like that guilt and shame i felt around what happened. Like I felt like that was a massive like relief for me. Like it felt like such a huge weight was like taken off of me. Um, because I feel like, yeah, when you stop drinking and you start making better choices and stuff, it's like you would never want to hurt someone that you love in that way. And then um yeah, I think also having the support of like therapy too. Um and then that's not like accessible for everyone. Um but there's different kinds of therapy, like you can journal and that's really helpful, or you can find resources online. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to have like a therapist, like sort of help me through a lot of that. And they were just really affirming and supportive. And I think that was helpful in navigating that and not like um, thinking too badly about myself and comparing myself to those people who I felt like were doing so much better. And like, and also like, it's just, you see that stuff online. Like it's so like people put the best stuff of their life online and like, you never actually know what's going on in real life. So like, that's also something you have to remember is like all the things seem fun and great and perfect online, but everyone's struggling. Everyone's trying their best and, um, yeah. And if you need support, then just like lean into lean into the people that you can lean into, I mean, check, check that they have the capacity for it. But um, yeah, I had a therapist who, when I decided to like, stop drinking and partying, and I even used to smoke cigarettes. And when I partied, I used to do coke, um, which I haven't done since like 2013. Um, But I had a therapist who was like, that's amazing. Like the fact that you just kind of like woke up one day and you're like, I hate this. Like, this is terrible. This is like not doing great things for my life or like where I want to, where I see myself in like five to 10 years, you know, if I kept being in that cycle, I am not going to like, you know, accomplish the dreams that I want to have. Like I want, I want to have like a nice little home and like a, a stable, like healthy relationship with someone and like a job that I love or, you know, and I felt like I wasn't going to achieve that by, spending so much of my energy and my time and my money on like partying and drugs and, and alcohol. Um, But yeah, my, my therapist was just like, that's just nuts that you just like woke up one day and you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I mean, it's definitely something I had a lot of thought about leading up to it. And I was just getting like tired of like doing the same old thing. But uh, I feel very fortunate that I was able to just kind of like, drop those things and I think that's something important to mention too is that like I feel like it's really difficult to give any of those things up or stop those things unless you truly have that desire to want to stop them like I don't think it's I don't think it's easier I don't think it's like if if you don't have that like really strong desire I think that's like one of the most important things to have that and then like you know that support
0: from people Yeah, I was going to ask because I, like for me, I was so afraid of not drinking, even though I knew it was not going to get me closer to where I wanted to be. And a lot of the people that I know in the sober community are they're alcohol free, whatever their um, journey is, is that is what a lot of people experience is it's almost like the fear of like, Okay, I know that this one thing is fucking awful. It makes me feel worse about myself. It makes me feel like I'm in this like cycle. I talk about this often of like how many times I used to wake up after a night of blacking out and be like, "Fuck, I'm never drinking again." And then like lo and behold, oh my God, you're uh, everyone's going out. Like you got to go out, and it's like I can't say no to that. And it was just like on freaking repeat until, like you said, like. I had the desire to actually make a shift enough was enough. And so I think too, it it is a little bit of getting really honest with yourself about what is it that you want in your life and are the things that you're doing, contributing to get you there. And sometimes there are going to be things that you're doing that are not going to contribute to get you there. And it might be fucking scary to take them out but like, once you get over that hump, at least in my experience, and I'm curious, Gray, if this has been yours too, like you like you can look back and be like, oh my God. I wish, like for me, I was like, oh my God, I wish I would have done that sooner. But like my timing was when it was supposed to be for a reason. I learned a lot about myself in my drinking phase. And I have learned so much about myself in my alcohol-free phase. And I'm so grateful that I made a shift when I did but like at the time, it felt like it was going to be impossible. I was going to have so much regret. But and it really felt like, oh my god, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But it was really getting honest about where I wanted to go, and alcohol wasn't going to get me there. And it was doesn't mean it wasn't scary. It was really really hard for me. I did AA, I did outpatient. Um, and everyone's journey is very different. But just because there's something in your life that maybe you don't even enjoy drinking anymore. Maybe you do, but asking yourself if it's in alignment with where you want to go. And if it's not, it's okay to want to make that change. It doesn't mean though, that it's not going to be scary. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Um, but you have to, like you said, you have to have that desire to want to make that shift.
1: Yeah. And it's not, it's, I mean, it's not like I still don't fuck up. And I think that people need to remember that they're human and like, you know, and give yourself that grace that like, it's not going to be perfect. And I think that, you know, any amount of effort that you can give to it is the right amount of effort, you know, because that's what you're capable of giving at that time. And so I think people just need to be like gentle with themselves. And, you know, if it takes baby steps, like, that's great. Like you're taking those steps. Like it doesn't have to be like this giant leap. Um, and you're going to be figuring things out and you might fuck up and, you know, but you're, you're on a journey. And, um, I think something that can be really helpful is like, you know, you were talking about getting sucked into like going out or hang out with people. I started finding like so many groups in my community that I could join that were social that weren't around alcohol. And, um, like there's a climbing group. You know, and it's like, if you still want that social aspect and to connect with people and maybe you have, there's like a hobby you're interested in, maybe it's climbing, maybe it's something art related, maybe it's, you know, watching sports or I don't know anything. It's like, start finding those groups of people where like alcohol is not really around as much. And then, um, that'll kind of like replace that. I don't know, I guess like social need where you're just like automatically like, okay, I guess I'm going to the bar. Um, and it's like kind of one of the reasons I started. So I run a nonprofit. I founded a nonprofit in San Diego called Queer San Diego, and it's essentially for we focus on queer women, non-binary folks, and trans identities. And our events are. My, one of my co-leaders is is sober, um, and like we focus on events that are either drinking optional or non-drinking, and we felt like especially in the queer space, it's like bars are, are safe spaces. Like we have queer bars and like, that's where we go to meet up with each other and to feel safe. And we wanted to help create more spaces where people didn't, you know, have to feel like they need to drink to be like around people who felt safe and a part of their community. So we do all sorts of stuff. And then we also connect people with those groups, like those climbing groups that exist Um, so that they can find other outlets and find other ways to socialize. Um, But also like, another thing I wanted to mention is I feel like the word no is so powerful Um, and it's so scary at first, like telling people no, but once you start doing it and practicing it more and more, it feels really good and it feels really empowering. And I also think like, if you say no to people, the right people and the people who are your friends are going to respect that no because that no is a boundary and like you are setting that boundary for yourself because you respect yourself and because you respect other people and you know if they respect that boundary and then they're respecting you and and those are the people that you want to
0: be around That's such an important reminder though. Boundaries can be really challenging, but I love what you said, like the right people will respect that boundary and recognize it's something that you are doing for yourself. And there's a reason you say no, Um, because that can be really challenging. For you within the nonprofit that you have, have you noticed or have people share their experiences with you around being able to have that safe space to connect where, you know, drinking isn't the sole focus. I'm curious, you know, what feedback or experiences have been shared with you because I also feel, I mean, I don't create the same type of space and community, but I create spaces and communities for people also without drinking because I think it allows us to have that connection to be able to show up, to be fully seen, to really get to know people? And for you, like, what have you heard from others that they've been able to experience in this setting that you're providing them?
1: Yeah, I mean, first, I think there's so many ways to provide that community for people or that support without, you know, starting a whole nonprofit. There's there's definitely different ways that you can do it. Um, and yeah, I get a lot of feedback from people about that um, people are just really appreciative to have that space, um, because there just aren't a lot of queer spaces in general around, um, just, like, particularly focusing on that, but, um, I've had people come up to me and tell me that, like, they saw me post about, like, we had a little, like, beach meetup with, like, with dogs and, like, you know, optional surfing and, like, meditation and stuff, and people are, like, I saw that event and I showed up and, like, it just kind of snowballed from there. And now I've met my entire friend group through your nonprofit. And then I see those people like going to pumpkin patches together or having game nights. And um, I don't even see them at the the queer bars that like, because I bartend sometimes. So like, I don't even see them at those bars anymore, which is kind of cool that like, you know, they're not just like living there anymore. But yeah, I think for some people, it's just like trying to find that community. And I think everyone's first thought or like the easiest thing is just to like go to a bar and show up at a bar but um, I, I'm glad that we could create that space for people um, to have another option. And um, it was helpful with like, I don't know, my marketing background, I'm able to kind of like push the word out more and, and yeah, but a lot of people, they come up to me even, even not at the events, like they'll see me out different places and and come say something to me. And um, yeah, or even about like the post that you found, I've had literal people come up to me at the bar who are like sober and they've been like, I really appreciate you like sharing this, like help me discover like more non-alcoholic options. And um, yeah, I think it's just trying to get the word out that there are other spaces, other options and whether it's like trying to use my platform or trying to start a nonprofit because I like have the capacity, I have the time, you know, to do that for other people. Um, and it was, it was really inspired by like my own experience. Um, so I'm glad it can assist other people in like something similar with like their journeys.
0: And I think too, you're just inspiring others to be more true to themselves. Like I'm sure a lot of people are so grateful, as you said, to have this space for them to connect, to meet new people, to build new friendships. Also just like opening the door for people to get more curious around, you know, that they can decide to have an NA option versus always feeling like they have to have an alcohol option. And you sharing your journey gives others the permission, I think, to get more curious about like, oh, it can be a different way. It doesn't have to be this way. And the more people that are sharing and showing their authentic selves with others, whether it is on a bigger platform or it's in just like interactions, like it really helps other people to be like, oh, I didn't know there was other ways to socialize or, oh, I didn't know there was another option here. And it just is that snowball effect of like one person does it, or dare I say ripple effect because we're on the ripple podcast, but it really does. It helps other people to like radiate that out and make shifts within themselves. There um, was one more thing that I wanted to talk about that we were talking about earlier when you were saying like, it's not perfect and take baby steps and you might. Like, fuck up. And I think that's a really important thing to note, especially within a sobriety journey, but really any journey, like, no pathway is linear. And something, especially in sobriety, that I am really grateful for uh, more people are talking about is this idea around, like, let's say you have 300 days sober and you end up drinking. Like, those 300 days that you spent exploring sobriety, alcohol free living, they don't go away. Like, everything you learn doesn't go away. So you should still celebrate the fact that you took 300 days for yourself. And if you choose to go back to alcohol-free living, like that's not washed away. And more people are talking about that. Like you get to celebrate all your steps that you take to get you to where you are today. Like you continue on your journey and you continue on your pathway. Don't get so stuck to this idea of like, just because you relapsed if you want to call it that or you slipped whatever it may be like you're still get to be on your journey and get back on if that's what you so choose but everything you learned and experienced doesn't go away it's still a part of your story and who you are and you still get to celebrate all the things that you've done and all the things that you're going to do.
1: Absolutely I think it's so easy to like beat yourself up over those things um, I'm definitely guilty of that I'm really hard on myself but Um, I think it's helpful again to like, yeah, look, look back to where you were and look back and look where you are now and um, try to remember to focus on like all the steps you have taken and like the good things that you have going for yourself and just kind of use, you know, that slip maybe as like a reminder to yourself. It's like, okay, well, what did I, what did I learn from this? You know, you have to take it as like a learning experience and like, it's part of your, your growth um, and just try to turn it into like, something a bit more positive um, that's helpful in your journey.
0: I 100% it is you get to learn from those experiences and you can either let them be something that like keeps you down or you can just look back, take what you need and then like continue forward. And for you within, you know, your just life experience of being able to be authentic and show up as yourself what, like, when I think about how I've been able to start to discover more about like who I am and like, what is me versus what I thought was me. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I take, took in a lot of like others thoughts, others shoulds, and it took a long time to get to where I am now of like, no, this is what I want to be doing. This is how I want to spend my time. These are the desires I have. And for you, as you started to be more authentic to yourself, what has that allowed for you in your life and in this journey? And how have you continued to move closer to the things that you've desired for yourself?
1: I think that, you know, taking a lot of that alcohol and partying out of my life, like that felt very much like a fog for me. Like, and I feel like I've gained a lot of clarity, um, and I have been able to focus on my mental health or, I mean, I feel like that's how I sort of was able to figure out all these things like, oh, I'm ADHD or I'm on the spectrum and really able to um, explore that and what it means for me and um, how I navigate the world. And um, also just like how alcohol affects like those parts of me um, so I think it's allowed me to learn a lot more about myself and, and grow in a much more like positive way. And um also like um I felt like alcohol was a mask, but then also like you kind of have a mask when you're someone who's um neurodivergent or you can have a mask. And I feel like um not using alcohol as like a crutch has like allowed me to be like that person who isn't wearing those masks and then um I don't know, just be like unapologetically me and and have people around me who support that and love that and understand that. And I mean, it's also just allowed me to dive into deeper parts of myself that I was suppressing, like with my gender identity and coming out as non-binary. It's just, I feel like it was easier to just push that at the back of my head while using alcohol, like as a crutch.
0: For you within these masks that you're talking about, I think that that's an important conversation because sometimes we don't even recognize that we're wearing these masks. And so as you, you know, took the alcohol away and you started to discover like, oh, I'm actually wearing this as like showing up in the world or I'm wearing this and, you know, diving deeper into the parts of yourself. What challenges did you face within that? Because I, you know, like it can be scary to be like, oh wait, like these, these parts of me, I need to like look further in and it can be like a hard thing to go dig deeper and to go to therapy and have those tough conversations. But for you, was that like a freeing experience? Was it challenging? What did you continue to learn about yourself as you dug deeper into those parts and kind of let go of those masks?
1: I think it, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of feelings. Like I feel differently about it all the time it I mean you're you're out there and you're yourself and like you're raw and I think that's really scary because like yeah you have nothing to hide behind or lean on um and like sort of use to I guess loosen you up or make you goofy or whatever people think that alcohol does um when like I mean when in reality it's like you're I don't know you're not you're not being yourself like you're not you're not being the person that you are you do have those parts in you and um you don't need alcohol to have those come out um i think it's just finding like that confidence and that support and like reassurance and i think that you can find healthier ways to bring that out or to work on bringing that out and part of that is like therapy or journaling or meditation or um yeah, I think finding ways to work on yourself and grow and it feels much more rewarding, like su- such a bigger reward because you're not needing to like rely on this thing to pull these parts out of you that aren't even really like you. It's like, yes, like I am goofy when I'm drink when I drink, but I'm not like I'm not like a good type of goofy. I'm like obnoxious and like um I don't know. I just I like the goofy, awkward, silly person that I am when I'm not like leaning on those things and I my friends do too and and they keep coming around and um and we don't need that alcohol and um yeah, it's like I don't know. It just feels like a lot more rewarding when you can instead of getting like a quick fix or like a, like a half-ass kind of like fix that you can like do the work yourself um, to like have your true self come out. And like, I feel like your confidence just grows and grows because you're like proud of yourself that you could do that. So it just keeps like stacking. The rewards like just keep stacking on top of each other.
0: And it's long-term, right? You, your confidence is growing. You're proud of yourself. And it's like these long-term effects versus the short-term effects that alcohol may make us feel like we're receiving but actually like when you're doing these like doing this deep dive and you know getting to know yourself more and more and you're flexing that confidence muscle like you said it is really rewarding because then the next time you're faced with a challenge you have more belief in yourself and you're able to show up more as your truest version of you which is really really a gift because we're we're just here for this one life and like living it as somebody else is not gonna feel as rewarding as getting to look back and see that you lived it truly as who you were and who you've wanted to be and desired to be in your life. Absolutely. So this has been an amazing conversation and I'm very, very grateful for you coming on the podcast and talking today. My last question for you is what is the ripple that you want to create?
1: That's a good question.
0: Um,
1: I don't know. I think I would love to encourage people to, like I'd mentioned earlier, replace that like automatic yes and that like easy sort of like social experience with the just going to the bar and to encourage people to like try to look into their community and find pages. Maybe it's on Meetup or maybe it's on Instagram and try to get involved in something else that's like social that doesn't involve alcohol like I'd love to challenge people to do that
0: yay I love that I think that's so it, it really does make a shift like it can feel scary to do the first time but then once you do it you're like oh that was actually really amazing and I met some really incredible people and you build these new connections and you want in my experience you want to do more of it and yeah, I think that's a really great challenge, especially for anybody listening to go out and try it on. And then you'll have to let us know what you go out and do outside of the drinking scene. I've been getting an itch to go to a pottery class. So my friend Kelsey and I are going to go do pottery, even though I think the last time I made pottery was in like seventh grade art class. So I'm sure it will be a very different experience.
1: I just did that. I just went and uh, did a pottery class recently and it was a lot of fun. I I have a desire to like, I would really love to get like a pottery wheel and like really dive into it because I just, I follow a lot of like ceramic, like artists on Instagram and TikTok. And it's just like, it's so cool. Just like being able to create like all these different things and watching the process and and everything. But yeah, I mean, I think with like, with going through that journey and like finding those social groups, um, it gets so much much easier to like, I think it seems like really hard and scary at first, but it gets so much easier and you get so excited to go do those things. Um, especially because those people that you meet, you are meeting them without alcohol and they're seeing the real you and they love you for you. And like, I think that's something that's like inspiring, um, to go back and do those things because like those people, you know, they're not just there for like, the drunk person, you know, or the, that bar person, like they're there because they enjoy, you know, spending time with the, the real you.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it, I think it is such a great reminder. Like they are seeing this real you and you, I don't know It there's something to be said, like when you peel back the layers and you're just showing up as your authentic self around people, it feels really less draining because you're not having to wear like the masks. You're just there versus like when I would go out or feel like when I was going out, I had, I was like the party girl. I had to like fill a certain role and I would feel like my energy would be sucked because part of me was like, yes, that is I I am sober now and I love to like go out and dance and do those things, but it's because that's like what I want to do in that moment. I'm not doing it to serve like a purpose of something that I feel I'm supposed to be doing. It's doing the things that I actually want to do, and my energy gets preserved because I'm not wearing a mask and showing up as the version that I think I'm supposed to be. I get to just like be myself and show people the real me. And so I think that's such a great reminder of like they're loving you for you. You're not showing up as any other version than like, Hey, this is me and my real raw authentic self. And you build strong connections through that too.
1: Absolutely. And it's just, again, more and more encouraging the more like you do it because, um, you just feel so empowered, um, and affirmed by those people that is like a form of support, like people, you know, loving that authentic you. So, you know, you don't, I mean, therapy is, is wonderful and stuff, but like, there's just so many ways to, to gain that support. And that's like another one.
0: Totally. Great. I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast today and having this conversation. Where can my listeners find you?
1: Um, they can find me on Instagram. It's at is a carb. Um, I do have a lot of posts about alcoholic beverages, but I feel like there's a lot of non-alcoholic stuff mixed in there. There's a lot of travel mixed in there. And I do love to post like reminders about like responsible consumption. And like, it's very much, I think done in a tasteful way and not in like a, like a party binge drinking way. It's an appreciation, so.
0: Well, I, I wanted to have you on the podcast because this, I mean, we cover all the topics here, but just showing other people that like, it doesn't have to be black and white for some people and recognizing like your relationship with alcohol can be unique to you and what it is that you want and desire in your life. And I think that's a really important conversation to have. So I'm really grateful that we got to talk about that today to show people that, you know, it just can look differently. It doesn't all have to look the exact same and recognizing that for people I think is so important. So I'm really thankful that you came on today and shared with all of us and For all the listeners, go check out Gray on Instagram. And I'm grateful to all of you for being a part of this community. Make sure if you haven't yet, go ahead and leave a rating or review. That's how we continue to reach more people. And until next time, let's go out and start creating ripples.